0: What's good, everybody? Pete, Rob, and Bobby around the horn talking fantasy pucks, playoff pools, and the start of the postseason, guys. Couldn't be any better with these long overtime games, right, Robbie?
1: Yeah, I've been loving it, Pete. I mean, it's definitely uh, a little bit hard to imagine the ice surface and everything for games coming after those. But, hey, as a fan, as a spectator, I'm not complaining one bit.
2: Hey, and you're hearing from me now, and you're going to be hearing from me throughout the entire program. (laughs) My mic is... Locked and loaded, ready to go. Five overtimes, then you get the double overtime. Yeah, the ice, I can't imagine, as Rob said, after a five-overtime game is, is in good shape even the next morning. But it's been fun right from the word go. And uh, for puckheads like us, it doesn't get any better than this.
0: Yeah, and you thought you expected a big uh, effort from the Blue Jackets, but did any of us expect uh, NHL records? What, an ice time for Seth Jones at 65 minutes and saves like 12 more than the NHL record by Eunice Corposalo, who maybe, you know, in certain games of the postseason, you didn't even know if he was going to be the starter for the team. And uh, just an amazing effort by both of those players in losses shows that Columbus is going to be sticking around this whole series, I think. I think it was a massive
1: win for Tampa Bay. That, that's one where you could tell when they scored that goal. Like, they needed that, and I hate to say that. It's been one game. I mean, I can't overreact to all these game ones. It really doesn't matter one way or the other for most of them. But for Tampa Bay specifically, that's a team that needed to come out with a win to just totally. get over the sweep from last season.
2: Oh, that's why they celebrated. Like, they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, <laughs> it's just a huge monkey off their back. Seth Jones is an absolute horse this guy is a horse no question about it love Seth Jones but Rob to Rob's point with Tampa Bay and they said it in the NBCSN studio if Tampa Bay loses that game and again this might not be this might be an overreaction I'm not so sure I'm just listening to the former players who said this if Tampa Bay loses that game Tampa loses the series it's a huge victory for Tampa and that's again why they celebrated like they won the Stanley Cup because of what happened last year you lose five straight I mean you start thinking to yourself is this is this going to happen can we beat Columbus yeah, it was a totally huge mountain to
0: climb for them to get that win and it would have been a backbreaker had they lost no doubt it was great to see Victor Hedman back and you know you start that game thinking you hope he's maybe he's skating a little gingerly you hope that he's fully healthy. I mean, my goodness, 57 minutes played uh, for this guy. I mean, that guy is like Thor out there. He is such a beast. And it was great to see him play. And of course, no Steven Stamkos still for the Lightning. But, uh, you know, they weathered the storm and got that much needed win. And the top line is Pilat Palat had a a number of great scoring chances carrying the puck behind the net, playing with Braden Point, who scored the five overtime winner and Nikita Kucherov, so that top line is in full force even without Stammer.
1: And they're in the driver's seat now. I expect them to take Game Two as well, put the put the uh, pedal to the metal, and just ride off. I think that's what they're going to do. Now, I will have to say, real quick, in Columbus's defense, like they have the ability to go back to the rookie goaltender Elvis Merzlikins and go that route. So it's not it's not all gray and cloudy skies for them. But I would give, if you're putting money on the game, I would go Tampa again in Game Two.
2: Tampa huge favorites minus 177 or so again not encouraging folks to to gamble just letting you you know be aware of the situation to me it's a total stay away from uh, you know I'm not going to touch this game but I expect like Robbie mentioned um you know, another tight game and, and Tampa probably to come out on top, but I'm not going to touch this game with a 10-foot pole. And Tampa was
0: heavily out them for most of the game, but Columbus found a way to stay in the game throughout. And if that's any indicator to me, like, I feel like Columbus isn't going away. I would actually lean more towards them in game two, even though I picked Tampa Bay to win the series. I think Columbus is going to make it so tough for them game-to-game basis. And, you know, yeah, I just think that, like, Columbus – Proved once again that they're going to give them fits uh, from start to finish in this series.
1: Another team that I was I was kind of happy to see get the win was Boston. I mean that was a team obviously in the round robin didn't really show up to to many of the games yep. there and they don't need to. That's that's what we were saying. They don't need to. Now they show up. Game one, top line takes over. Let me be clear about the Boston Bruins. That could have been a five to two game like they Jake DeBrusque had quality scoring chances uh their third line Charlie Coyle had five quality scoring chances Patrice Bergeron had 10 quality scoring chances okay so that's right there what you wanted to see out of the Boston Bruins the Carolina Hurricanes had to turn to a hey physical we're we're gonna try and bang the body out there but in the first overtime or it was only I guess Patrice scored in the first overtime but for the first 10 minutes of the first overtime that Boston team was incredible they were absolutely in a different class than carolina and i was pretty surprised to see that because carolina looked great against the rangers but in hindsight that might not be saying a whole lot
0: yeah big difference in terms of quality opponent here i think that yeah you look at carolina's responses after each of the first three boston goals especially that second one when scored shorthanded after the goal uh review went against them huge responses and great performance by carolina to hang around in that game despite not having Justin Williams and Sammy Votnin. But, Robbie, they did have uh, your boy Dougie Hamilton back. And do you think over the course of the series that makes a difference?
1: I didn't notice Dougie Hamilton one time. And, excuse me, it was Patrice <laughs> Bergeron scored like a 50 seconds into the second overtime. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't notice Dougie Hamilton. I noticed Hayden Fleury. I noticed Brady Shea had a couple good <laughs> uh, rushes. I mean, he's skating like a, a freaking speed demon out there. But I did not notice, Dougie. I don't know if it's if it's a lingering thing. What it is, mm-hmm. I'm not an MD. I'm not going to pretend to be one. But what I noticed was Charlie <laughs> Coyle. What I noticed was Tori Krug. What I noticed was Mac Rizlick, like these, and Brandon Carlo too. Svechnikov tries a lacrosse goal against the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. What are you doing?
2: No, that's not going to happen. The young buck should should know better. You're not going to score a lacrosse goal. I don't think anyone's going to score a lacrosse goal in the NHL playoffs. That's that's almost like. You're disrespecting your opponent, even if you, you, you try to do that. I didn't notice Dougie Hamilton either, um, which is surprising because I thought it was going to be this huge difference maker. The guy I noticed, and, and Rob mentioned him, is this flurry character. Uh, he, he had a great game, that guy. I mean, where has he been all season? I mean, forgive me if I haven't noticed him, but I, I, I really haven't. I haven't watched that many Carolina games. But I, I thought he was the most impressive player for Carolina yesterday, to be honest.
0: Well, yeah, he's, uh, he spent some time in the AHL and he's, uh, you know, he's one of their many young pieces to the puzzle. And that's the great thing about Carolina is like some of these guys, like even like Jake Bean, we haven't even really seen yet. So they, they have a high ceiling in the years to come after going to the Western conference final and looking good so far to start this postseason. But yeah, for Boston, like you were talking about their depth, Robbie, that was huge. That was our biggest concern with that team. It was like, they came back from, uh, you know, from fast asleep uh, in the round robin. And they, they reminded all of us that they're not going to go down without a fight. And again, they're going to win those tough, gritty games uh, down the stretch. And they're going to prove why they're, you know, why they made it so far
2: last year, why they've been on many deep runs in the past before. I got to tee Robbie up with this. what do you think of the uh, Capitals up to nothing there? And then they go in a country club mode, right? Mm-hmm. And then they lose four to four unanswered goals from the Islanders. Actually, I looked up at the scoreboard 2-0. I never say a game is dead, but honestly, with the way the Islanders score goals, I'm thinking, okay, Capitals take game one, and they lose 4-2.
1: Bob, people have to remember, this has been happening since 2008. For everyone that's surprised by this, where have you guys been? What have you been watching? This is the same team every year. This is the same team that gets down into 0-2 series holes and then decides, all right, we're going to play 40 minutes. We're not going to play 20 minutes anymore. We're going to play 40 minutes. They played about 22 minutes last night and fell asleep at the wheel. Like this is a team that has all the talent, all the tools. Nick Backstrom can miss the game. Laura Zeller can miss the game. They still have more offensive firepower than the New York Islanders. They need to compete for 60 minutes. And Todd Reardon, I know we talked about it last show, Pete, is just not the same coach as Barry Trotz. He cannot get these guys to dial in for 60 minutes. And that's going to be a major problem against the pesky New York Islanders.
2: Well, Pete certainly would agree. I mean, they miss Barry Trotz. Reardon, you know, that's what happens when Trotz leaves. I mean, Trotz sort of re- reeled that team in and got that team all buying in and believing. Didn't seem to be the case um, yesterday against the Islanders. And I thought Brady Braden Holpe was god awful. He was awful. I mean, at least three of those goals were just on him, mishandling the puck, not catching the puck, and he he looked bad in net.
0: Yeah, the the. Josh Bailey goal that was scored shorthanded was off a turnover by Holpe. I also thought the big turning point in that game clearly was the Jordan Eberle goal late in the second. And that was one where Holby just kind of whiffed on it. So uh, yeah, disappointing for him. But again, like Robbie said, you've seen up and down for Braden Holby the past couple of regular seasons. So it's really not, it's surprising to see it in this big stage, but not really shocking at all. Good to see Anthony Beauvillier again, score a goal five-game point streak, baby, to start off the postseason here for the kid.
1: You got to say that this is a player now that's going to be looked at completely different in regular season fantasy formats. Like the Islanders have kind of been waiting for a young player like this outside of Barzell to take the reins and to say, I can be the top guy on this team. So really good sign for the Islanders. I do want to say in defense of Holpe, it's almost better bearing any injury concerns that they don't have a guy like Ilya Samsonov sitting on the bench because you're not going to have this storyline of, oh my gosh, should we, should we turn to Samsonov or Samsonov in game two and said, Holpe, you're not going to have that now. They don't have that option. So Holpe, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. You got to give a veteran guy the chance to say, hey, redeem yourself in game two, play like you did during the round robin, play like you did in the exhibition game and we'll be just fine. But the guys in front of him, I don't care. I hope he's going to have a bad game here and there. We know he's susceptible to that. The guys in front of him, Alex Ovechkin, the whole third line, which was absent last night. Forget Lars Eller who didn't play. You need to have better juice out of Kovalchuk, out of Carl Hagelin. Like, those guys are important in the playoffs. You got to see a team effort here, and it starts with the guys in front of Holtby.
2: I don't know if it's a theme here, but some of these um, veteran teams, and I'll put the Blues in there, I'll put the Capitals in there, even Dallas in there have not looked very great since the, uh, the, the season restarted. I thought St. Louis looked overmatched. I don't, again, don't want to re- overreact to one game, but the speed of Vancouver really seemed to bother the Blues uh, in the 5-2 loss. The Blues now have not won a game, is that right, since the restart, and they're getting outscored uh, like 11 nothing in the third period. That's not a good look for the defending uh, cup champs.
0: No, no, not at all. And it was 5 2 final, but that uh, tie breaking goal uh, by Stetcher from Vancouver. I mean, like Bennington should have had that one. But again, Vancouver came out guns blazing, and that is a great young team. Bo Horvat was playing like a man possessed in that game. Pedersen snipes left and right. I mean, we've loved that. You've loved that team, Robbie. You picked them to make the playoffs this year when nobody else did. But like, we've all been in on that young core all season. And like getting battle tested in the first round, like we were talking about in the preview in the preview show, paid dividends here because I think they kind of blindsided uh, St. Louis, defending champs uh, in the in the third period there.
1: And I had Vancouver winning the series too, but I'm still going to give the edge to the defending Stanley Cup champs to figure it out in this series. That is a team that is just so deep; they can play a different brand of hockey if they really commit to it. But I think Bob brought up a good point: like these veteran teams just haven't had the juice. Who knows what that's due to? Who knows why? Uh, I would still, again, I would still shy away from overreacting uh, in the full seven game series. I think you got to wait to see two or three games before you can throw in the towel on a team. But in this event, credit to Vancouver, credit to coach green. He had those guys buzzing from the first puck drop of the game. And that's the mark of a quality team in the postseason because we know, one game can be the difference. You're going to get bad bounces the other game. You got to get on the scoreboard. They did it early. And then the game, t- the, the, the goal that Tre- Stretcher scored, I mean, that was it. Like You could just tell when that went in, that team played with a different energy, even with the lead, which is very hard to do. Something the Caps can't say, right? Something the Bruins can't say. Uh, so, so give the Canucks credit for that.
0: And hey, they got regular season Jacob Markstrom, which totally changes the outlook of the Canucks if they could get those type of performances from him. Because he was an elite goalie in the regular season, probably top five fantasy wise, and like he plays like that in big games on the big stage. And remember, like Bennington is not super young; like he was around the block many times before he finally got his chance last year. You never know how a guy's going to perform at this level, and so far we've seen good things from uh, Markstrom in this series.
1: The one issue I did have with the Canucks in this win—I know you shouldn't be critiquing a win. Uh, three power play goals that you cannot rely on that every night in the postseason. Okay. You got to score five on five. At a certain point, the whistles are going to dry up. You're not going to hear them anymore. We OT last night of the Bruins game. Okay. Until they got that late power play, like there, there were plenty of opportunities that the refs could have made a call and you could see that they did not. So learn how to score five on five. And I think that it's good to see Bo Horvat net two goals last night, because he's a player that can score five on five as well. But that's the same thing. And the caps, Pete, like they, they had a ton of power plays too. You know Barry Trotz is going to crack down on the Islanders and say, make this team score five on five because as far as I'm concerned, they're not going to right now.
0: Yeah, and one team that Bobby mentioned briefly, the Dallas Stars, I mean, I, I hate to say I'm out on that team, but uh, really discouraging first game uh, against Calgary, coming back from 2 nothing down to tie it, but then uh, you know allowing the next goal and dropping the game. That team's scoring issues run really deep. For some reason, they didn't start Ben Bishop uh, you know, at first it seemed like maybe he was unfit to play. Then now it seems like maybe uh, he could have played if they wanted him to, but they went with Cadobin. You expect Bishop to be in net in game two. But like Dallas Stars, are you in or out uh, for the long haul or maybe a short series? What do you think, Rob?
1: Why would you not start Ben Bishop if he could play? Like, the, like this is the first round of the playoffs. Like this is not the round robin anymore. Like that to me is where a coach, and I'm not throwing shade here at anybody. That's to me where a coach has to lay down a law and say, you're starting. If you're 90%, you're in net. This is Ben Bishop's team, yeah. okay? Q Dobin played great in the regular season. That's the regular season, okay? Like, this is to me where it's do or die. One game can make the whole series if, if it comes down to it, right? If a guy gets banged up, whatever, that's it. That's it. So that is a total head scratcher. To me, you can't – there's no justification there. Now, to get off that, the, the scoring, Tyler Sagan, where is this guy? We've been saying it all regular season. Like, where is this player? Okay, where's the player that we used to know that could take over a game, that could have 10 shots on goal in a game? Where is this guy? All right? This is a team that has Corey Perry. Corey Perry is not going to be the guy he was when he was 27 years old. He's like 40 now. Like, this is this goes back to the offseason. Why why are you bringing in this guy on an on a, on a offense-riddled team? You can't do that.
2: Uh, he – might be forty, but he's playing like he's fifty-five. I mean, <laughs> Corey Perry is just completely irrelevant um, on an NHL team right now. I don't care if it's playoffs. I don't care about experience. I mean, he's forty. He's playing like he's fifty-seven.
0: Yeah, Corey and Corey Perry. Let's be honest. For a lot of this season, has been slotted in on the top line for the Dallas Stars over a player like Alex Radulov, over a Joe Pavelski. What is that about? So, again, maybe some of the – I mean, it, they haven't been able to find the right line combinations all season long and into the postseason here. But, like, remember we saw that one look? What was it? Sagan with Gurianov and Hintz in the training camp? Like, bring that out. Roll that out. It's time to see something like that. No more Corey Perry on the top line. Is Corey Perry on the roster? Sure, of course, he's going to play in the games, but shouldn't be on the top line. End of story. We,
1: we can't pile too heavily on Dallas here. I need to refrain from going further because if Ben Bishop starts in this game, they've got a great chance of coming back. I'd love to see uh, what the prices are in this game for both teams because this is an absolutely fantastic opportunity to reel back a little on the Calgary Flames who, as all three of us know on the program, you look good one game. You don't really come out the same way the next night. Okay, so that's where I would look at the Dallas Stars in a bounce-back effort. Like I said, I'm not a fan of the team. I'm not a fan of the coach. But this could be an opportunity to make a little shekel if the price is right.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, Lee who we have on... Mentions it all the time. You know, the stock for Dallas is as low as it can be. The stock for Calgary is as high as it can be, which creates a buying opportunity for Dallas, which this game is around even money. Actually, Dallas opened around minus 110. Calgary, money went on them. Now, Calgary's the favorite. It's basically even money, but. If Ben Bishop gets in net and starts, I am with Rob. I will take Dallas. The last final chance for Dallas here. This is it. Because if they fall down two games to none, I'm sorry with the, their scoring output. I don't see them coming back and, and winning the series. So it's sort of a do or die for Dallas. But late night tonight, um, an opportunity, as Rob said, maybe to, uh, to steal one and, and take Dallas. And Dallas evens up the series. And uh,
0: consistency is so huge for the Flames offensively. Like if they get their power play opportunities, convert, you know, two for four, one for two, whatever it is, like be consistent. Your bread and butter is the power play. And then even strength just hold your own. Of course, like Sean Monaghan and Backlund have been more productive than Tyler Sagan. We were having that debate, Robbie, right? Uh, Sean Monaghan jumped uh, Tyler Sagan in the playoff pool rankings. I don't think anybody could argue against that. But yeah, and then we've seen a big performance. We always talk about Calgary's, like, their bottom six isn't that good. And they're, uh, you know, maybe their second and third pair defensemen, not that great from a fantasy lens. We see Rasmus Anderson, Dylan Dubé, and, uh, you know, a big performance by those guys, and also Milan Lucic.
1: I just have to ask, like, we we saw Dallas look like a team that could have won the Cup last year. What changed? Like, what, what is so different now? Is it just Sagan? Like, what would you guys say it is that, that we can't get a pulse on this team anymore?
0: I mean, it seems like a lot of their offensive players have had down years, from even Klingberg, right? Klingberg, Radulov, Jamie Ben has been on a downward trend. They had a coaching change in the middle of the season, which not, wasn't necessarily performance-based with Montgomery. So, you know, all those things together, some front office drama through the years, uh, it, it, it all adds up here very quickly, and they're in a hole in the series.
1: And I think, too, like Ben Bishop, again, like not to be a dead horse here, but this guy could absolutely take over a game that's so lopsided in the favor of Calgary in, in, in scoring chances that like you, we cannot get too down on them yet. I'm still going to give Tyler Sagan the benefit of the doubt. He deserves it. So I don't want to come out on this program and proclaim the Dallas Stars are over and them with. I don't think they are. They've got a good opponent to come back against in the Calgary Flames, but they can do it. They got to find a different way to score, and it's got to start with some guys outside of the top six because we saw Radulov. You can't rely on him to score as much as he used to. Joel Pavelski is a little bit hot and cold now in his older age, and Tyler Sagan's been non-existent.
0: It's crazy, though. When you can hit on like a value goalie like, they, like the Flames have with Cam Talbot, it puts everything into perspective here, right? Teams that build their roster around, say, a Carey Price or a Ben Bishop or... You know, the Rangers with Henrik Lundqvist, who's now on a downward spiral. I mean, it's amazing when you can find that gem in goaltending, and then uh, it changes the whole scope of your roster, your salary cap, and everything like that.
2: You know, I know it's the playoffs and and anything could happen, but I think we're on a collision course in the West with Vegas and Colorado um, in in the Western Conference Final. I think these teams are just a cut above the rest. They're playing a cut above the rest. Uh, Arizona, I mean they didn't even look interested in scoring a goal against Colorado. I mean, they had what, 11 shots on goal, I think for the entire game. I mean, Kemper was great, but Colorado ultimately just broke through and and kept coming. And Vegas, I just don't think Chicago, you know, they're the youngest team still in the playoffs. I just don't think they're ready for this sort of, intensity this sort of defense this sort of overall play from Vegas I see both Arizona and Chicago maybe winning a game and that would be it
1: the fact that they even got that goal out of camp though Bob in the second period after two Vegas goals like that to me shows that Chicago could hang around game to game period to period but yeah I mean at the end of the day like this Vegas team has two more lines than the Chicago Blackhawks I mean the Colorado Arizona series I wasn't even planning on touching that one today there's nothing to say that, I mean, that's our, that's Colorado in four. So I, I think going back to, to Chicago, though, like I, I was impressed to see Saad and Camp look good together. There was some chemistry. Duncan Keith, I mean, he looks pretty good. Like if, for how old he is, he looks pretty good. I'm not ready to say that they're going to get swept, this team. Um, and I, I just have to say, like tip my cap a little bit. I know they lost 4-1, to and the scoring chances were, were heavily in favor of Vegas, but like they, they were within a goal there to tie the game up.
0: That's the tough thing about Vegas, though. Like Chicago beat Edmonton almost period to period. Like you were saying, Edmonton has some serious goaltending issues and depth issues. Vegas doesn't have either of those things. So like if you actually lined up every period for this series, I would say with relative confidence that Vegas could win every period of the series. So, I mean, that's uh, quick work to say the least, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I just, I hear what you're saying, Rob. The thing is, Crawford also, you know, he has to play almost a perfect game and be very, very good for Chicago to win because that team is going to allow scoring chances to Vegas. Vegas is going to have their opportunity to bury the puck, and they did in game one, and part of that was Crawford just wasn't very good. So if Crawford is excellent throughout the rest of the series, sure, I give him a shot. It's just hard to see it. You know, happen. I, it's just hard to see Vegas and Colorado not moving on and moving on pretty quickly. As we know, this is a, a tournament of attrition. You want to wrap up these series as quickly as possible so you have gas in the tank down the road. I just see both of these teams understanding that, realizing it, being capable of doing it, and, and having that happen.
1: I think probably my pick of Vegas in seven was way too generous to Chicago for even getting it that far. I'll say that after the first game. But I wouldn't be—I wouldn't be surprised. Like after we were all so high on Edmonton and the fact that Chicago beat them so disi- like, so convincingly, I w- like—I just—I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised to see them hang around, get You're some right. fluky goals. That's all. I'm not saying I'm taking Chicago. No freaking way. No, no, am no. I off the Vegas train? No freaking way. Now I did want to just bring up too, the Montreal Flyers game last night. It was pretty good. Like that was pretty—that was pretty competitive hockey on both sides. I thought Montreal actually had a lot. A chances that they could have capitalized on pretty easily and you just saw see that's the problem with that team when the offense doesn't get those lucky balances they don't have much extra juice but credit to Carry Price again guy stands on his head you know the team thrives on that and you this this happened uh earlier I think it was in the exhibition game Carry Price stood on his head after the game he's like we, we need to have a team effort here it can't just be me same type of thing after Game One against Philadelphia. I think this is
0: this could be good for the Habs. A little wake-up call. Do you think it gets better if it's a low-scoring series for Montreal's sake? I mean, Car- the way Carter Hart's playing right now is his first three postseason games. I saw they were comparing them to Carey Price's. They're even better than what Price had in his first three. But yeah, three and O, 966 in the first three postseason games for Carter Hart. I mean, amazing goalie duel in this series, like we thought it would be and maybe looking towards the under in some of these games moving forward.
2: Yeah, it's just the way Montreal plays. I mean, Claude Julien has him playing a tight game, tight checking game. They're not taking many chances. The Flyers are going to have to earn their goals and um, you know, listen, Carey Price is, I mean, keeps you in every single game. I like that that theme of take the under in these games. I want to see how Carter Hart does though when he has an awful game or he allows two quick ones or, you know, he gets yanked from a game. I want to see how he reacts to that. Thus far, everything is smooth sailing, you know, but what happens when the team falls in a hole or if the team loses two games in a row? How does the young goalie react? I need to see that before I anoint this guy, the next Patrick Wah.
1: Well, one thing I have to say is John Drew and cannot take a slashing penalty in the first period of the game. You can't put Claude Giroux and company on the power plate. Like you're just hanging your team out to dry there. So tighten that up. But the other thing is, It's To me, the Flyers have been the best team in hockey over the last 25 games. Now, obviously, that sample size goes back to uh, prior to COVID lockout and everything like that, right? So so you have to consider that. But this team is legit. This team absolutely is legit. They fire on great chemistry. They fire on a Kevin Hayes that can step up and really make that second line feel like an elite second line in the NHL when he's on. So before I get too high here on the Habs, maybe throwing a little upset, I have to praise the Flyers. This is a quality club. The fact that they've really changed a lot, honestly, the way that they look in the postseason from the past couple years, which they were always competitive, says a lot.
0: Yeah, and we don't talk enough about the Flyers' young core. I mean, that's another team that's going to just get even stronger in the years to come, from Hart to Provorov, who had the assist on the shot from the point on the power play goal that ended Philly's power play drought, which was huge. Farabee scored a goal you know, even Oscar Lindblom when he comes back. I mean, people forget that Lindblom was tied with, I think, Konechny for as their scoring leader in goals before, you know, he missed all the time for health reasons. But, you know, that's a great young core that uh, could get better over the course of the postseason for sure.
2: Before we put a bow on this thing, I want to hear from you guys a few players that have stood out young or old, you know, from a DFS perspective, you know, what well have you been going to, you know, who do you point to who's standing out? Uh, I think I know where I'm going for my lock tonight and I'm just going to steal the angle from Rob. I I like the Dallas angle. I mean, the value is never going to be lower for Dallas. Um, you know, they're, they're dead and buried. Everyone's high on Calgary. I'll take Dallas last shot. Please don't put Corey Perry on the first line. God, please do not have him on the first line and, and have Ben Bishop in goal and Dallas wins the game. But just a few players, you know, ping pong some players. Who are you looking at? Who's caught your attention? Uh, and then we'll wrap it up.
1: Well, I don't know if we're doing a program on Friday, so I have to just say Brendan Gallagher, who has 24 shots on goal in his past five games, 24 shots on goal. He is going to pop off. You got to have him in the lineup when he does it. Okay, so pay attention to that one. Second one, Anthony Bovillier. We kept writing about him in the DFS picks. This is a player, again, Bob, you got to have in the lineup every single time they play. Now, going to today's slate specifically, though, I'm going back to Boston. I'm going back to the top-line exposure. I want Patrice Bergeron in my lineup. I also want in the Boston Bruins— a second line play in Jake DeBrusque, who I think could have a major game if those pucks find the back of the net. I'm going heavy on Boston. It's aggressive. Carolina's a good team, but I think this Boston team still has that extra gear to shut any opponent down, no matter who it is.
0: Yeah, and on that same line as DeBrusque is Andre Kasha, who has assists in consecutive games, has not really played many games, You know, almost not to the same extreme as Vatanen after being traded, but he's only played like seven or eight games, but Starting to pick up, playing with David Krejci seems to be solidified on that second line. Player to watch out for, for sure. Nazem Kadri, power play goal, net front presence, seven shots on goal in game one. That guy is a potential difference maker. We never saw him in full force in the regular season. Plays on power play one. You got to love Kadri, his motivation, the whole thing. He looked great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Unbelievable. And then Riley Smith. Don't sleep on that player. We said it uh, during the pause. He's one of the most underrated playoff performers. He's better than a point per game this postseason and 46 in 49 career postseason games for Riley Smith. Get that guy in your playoff pool. Line up, lock, and DFS every night.
1: Double down on the Knights and get Shea Theodore in there as well. This guy's putting up points like it's nothing right now. So those Those are great plays right there. Goaltender-wise, I think it's always a little bit of a crapshoot. I tend to just get the cheaper guy in net. I mean, if you're looking for big saves, you could go back to Columbus on this one. Again, I don't think they're going to win the game. But if you want DFS points and they're and Tampa's going to have 50 shots or if it's going to go into multiple overtimes again, I mean, you're going to get crazy value there.
0: Right. It's funny. For playoff pools, we were talking about the wins, shutouts only format. We might have to include saves in that in future postseasons right after the Corposalo thing. There's no reason why after a performance like that, you should get zero fantasy points. So maybe he's changing the look of
2: uh, future playoff pools from here on out. And listen, we all know John Tortorello is a great coach to me. And, and Pete is still on Columbus. I'm not writing off Columbus by any means. I just didn't like how many, you know, more chances Tampa had over Columbus. I mean, Tampa just mm-hmm. had chance after chance, after chance, after chance, and their roster is just built better than Columbus to, to win these sorts of games and these series. And I think now that the monkeys off Tampa's back, they can play a little freer, a little looser, but if John Tortorella gets this team ready to go and wins this game and evens the series at one and one I'm sorry. Tortorella is the best coach I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this guy with the roster he has and what he's done, he's unbelievable.
1: Pump the brakes here, pump the brakes here. We got it. We got to be about bolts heavy here until they show us otherwise. All right. The fact that I'm in on the bolts this postseason Mm -hmm. is a miracle. So I'm going to ride the bolts full throttle. Okay. The rest of the way here. So I'm in on bolts game two. I'm going to keep the bolts heavy stance here. I want to see this as a championship caliber team. Close the window. You know that John Tortorella specifically when they're down in a series like that goes to lengths to pull out stops, to say stuff to the media, to try and get any advantage to get back in the series. The Bolts got to know that by now after so many years. I think the Bolts take game too decisively.
0: And it's definitely a two-horse race right now, I think, for best coach in the league between Barry Trotz and mm-hmm. Tortorella. And I liked what I saw. I mean, ha- talk about a performance from Anders Lee in that game for the Islanders. Their captain hasn't really shown up all season offensively. Goes out there, lays a clean hit on Nicholas Backstrom, gets into a scrap, gets into a fight later with Tom Wilson, gets punched you know, in the head three straight times. You don't know if he's going to be okay. Then he comes in and scores the tying goal early in the third period. I mean, what a bang for Anders Lee to start off that series for the Islanders. Couldn't have come at a better time
2: for the first time all year, I think. And there you have it. All right, everybody. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Rob and Pete, always a pleasure. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Listen, hammer Dallas tonight. Hammer them. This is the old Bob Bender hammer job. I know it seems crazy, but at 1030, 1045, whenever they drop the puck, just know, or if you're putting your head on the pillow, just know that I'm on Dallas tonight.
1: And that we you have to do it because that might be the last one of the season that might be the last one of their postseason. So might as well just get it out of your system now. Go ahead, put mm-hmm. it on, go Dallas. Now, and hopefully
2: if- Gorianov, hopefully they they shake up some lines. They have to do something. <laughs> shake up the lines. Give me some Goryanoff. All right, he's in my, he's on my playoff pool team. I mean, I'm high on Gorianov. Let's go. Yeah, we and everybody should check out our playoff pool draft. Some guys were uh, auto drafted
0: based on our rankings. Some guys were there for half the draft. Some the guys were there for the full draft. But it was a good exercise nonetheless. Robbie, one last thing, I wanted to ask you about alexi lafreniere potentially most likely going to the new york rangers after they win the big lottery mm-hmm. what's the fantasy impact of that long term
1: oh my gosh but the fantasy impact is limitless this is 70 points out of the gate mark it down now the the metro impact is huge this is pittsburgh penguins forget about them doesn't matter what the gmjr does over get him out of here new york rangers get him in there this is like this is fantastic If you're a fan of Broadway, if you're a fan of a show at Madison Square Garden, this is the new premier ticket in New York City. Get the jerseys, number 11, get it ready to go. Big-time player here.
0: And, you know, I was really high on them. You picked picked them as well. We were disappointed by the Rangers showing in the first round of the playoffs with the sweep, early exit. But, again, maybe no team in the league has better left-wing depth now between Kreider, Panarin, and now Lafreniere when he comes, if and when. But, yeah, of course – The New York Rangers, it feels like that changing of the guard here. And we were talking about their ceiling for next season. Now it's even more exciting after winning the lottery.
2: Well... Bobby McKenzie is is stepping away a bit from his responsibility. So Bob Bender, the old insider, is going to come in here and, and drop a little nugget. Little birdie told me that uh, Lafreniere will not be the number one pick. The Rangers will not take him. They will be taking center Quinton Byfield. So just, you know, it's not a slam dunk that, you know, they take Lafreniere. Just just know I that. Mean, that's, that's from a birdie. That's from a birdie. This is Bobby Insider from a birdie. I heard it from some just reporting the news everybody
1: okay that i can't even stomach it's too early we're recording this too early okay i can't <laughs> take that i'm not going to get into it i'm going to choose to ignore that for now Wrap we can revisit at a later date okay. if you need anything else on twitter i'm at nhl reese at nhl Jetson, and bobby's at Aircheck for all your insider scoops
0: <laughs> and it's going to be nuts to see lafreniere at least on the first power play uh, but we'll get to all that uh, in the years field. to come but yeah, we're, we're excited here on Broadway for sure, even though we're working remotely here. So for Bender, Reese, Pete Jensen, thanks so much for listening. NHL Fantasy on Ice, and we'll talk to you next time.